This is Briar Klopp, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Greenbush, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. We begin with Harvest Hotline. Harvest Hotline brought to you by Pivot Bio, the North Dakota Mill, Amity Technology, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services. As Gro DeKalb technical agronomist Derek Pruitt says farmers in his area, trade area, had a very good harvest. If you would have told me we were going to have the harvest we did after this spring, I don't know that I would have believed a bit of it. But considering everything that, that happened this spring and earlier on, I think we really ended up quite fortunate in the, in the harvest that we had. It, things worked out really quite well for us there towards the end. For as much as we preach, you know, one of your best ways to increase yields is you know, besides things like later maturities is an, is an early planting, you know, you don't want to push it too much, but you want to get it in as timely as possible for your, your yields. You know, that sure didn't hold up this year. So, so yeah, we were, we were pretty fortunate. And dry weather may have impacted some fall field work and prepping for next season. And so I don't know that as much fall tillage has happened. You know, I think we did get, we did get harvested timely, and so there were, were potentially some opportunities to get some fall work done. But with as dry as it was, farmers kind of had to make that decision of whether or not they wanted to try and try and do that or not. And so there were just some issues there. You know, and, you know, a lot of factors play into that as well. According to USDA's Crop Progress Report, Minnesota's corn harvest is 92% complete. That compares to 75% of the five-year average. 87% of the sunflowers, excuse me, sunflowers are harvested. The dry conditions are worsening ahead of the winter freeze-up. 63% of the topsoil is rated short to very short, a 9% change from last week. In South Dakota, 91% of the corn and 84% of the sunflowers are harvested. In both cases, the harvest is well ahead of the average for this date. 87% of South Dakota's topsoil moisture is short to very short. Pasture and rangeland conditions are also suffering. Over 90% of North Dakota's corn crop is in the bin. That is well ahead of the average for this date of 59%. Sunflower harvest is 82% complete, 20 percentage points ahead of the average. Over 70% of the topsoil moisture in North Dakota is rated short to very short. And that's Harvest Hotline, brought to you by Ag Country Farm Credit Services, Pivot Bio, North Dakota Mill, and Amity Technology. Pre-report estimates for Wednesday's USDA World Agriculture Supply and Demand Estimate Report expects corn production at 13.9 billion bushels on a yield of 171.9 bushels per acre. Soybean production is expected at 4.3 billion bushels on an average yield of 49.9 bushels per acre. Ending stocks are estimated at 1.2 billion bushels of corn, 250 million bushels of soybean, and 577 million bushels of wheat. Global ending stocks at the end of the 2023 growing season are estimated at 300.6 million metric tons of corn, 100.9 million tons of soybeans, and 266.7 million tons of wheat. Anything can happen with USDA releases a supply and demand report. Bauer Trading President Jim Bauer is not expecting major surprises in Wednesday's report. Of course, we got the government numbers out. Uh, here this week. We'll see what they have to say. Uh, I don't expect them to be too much of an earth changer, uh, but we will, we will look at them. 
other than that, the election process is ongoing, and we'll see how that affects the stock market particularly, uh, either good or bad, depending upon the outcome of the election. Uh, right now, it's kind of a wait-and-see attitude. Bauer says the market focus will rapidly shift to Brazil's crop. Well, this time of year, you've got to shift your focus. I mean, you, to be in the grain market, you've got to have a background and a knowledge of what goes on in Brazil because I, I think in another 10 to 15 years, they're going to be feeding the world pretty readily. They are really pushing agricultural programs, agricultural education, agricultural colleges, uh, agricultural seminars. They, agriculture is a big, big thing for Brazil, and don't underestimate their will to get bigger. USDA released its 10-year baseline outlook yesterday afternoon. USDA expects trend line yields to increase over the outlook for corn at 171.9 this year to 199.5 by the year 2033. Corn price is expected to fall over the next five years to $4.30 per bushel and then remain flat at $4.30 a bushel the remainder of that 10-year outlook. The average soybean yield is expected to increase from 49.8 bushels per acre this year to 56.5 bushels per acre in 2023. Average soybean price is expected to decrease from $14 per bushel this marketing year to $10.30 per bushel for the last five years of that baseline outlook. Wheat yields in the USDA's 10-year baseline report are expected to steadily increase from 46.5 bushels per acre this year to 52.7 bushels per acre in 2033. The average wheat price at the farm is expected to fall from 9.20 this marketing year to $5.70 per bushel beginning with the 2026-27 marketing year and continuing the remaining six years of the outlook. Of the eight major crops planted in the U.S., USDA expects planted area to increase over the next 10 years from 250.8 million acres in 2023 to 275.4 million in 2033. Corn acreage is expected to fall from 92 million acres in 2023 to 89 million. Soybean acres are expected to go from 87.2 million to 86.5 million by 2030. 2033. CRP acres are expected to increase from 24 million in 2023 to 27 million acres 10 years from now. Summit Carbon Solutions has secured easement agreements for more than 50% of the proposed pipeline route across its entire uh, project footprint. Over 3,400 easement agreements have been signed by landowners, totaling 1,030 miles across Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, South Dakota, and North Dakota. Reporting Agriculture's Business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The end of 2022 is creeping closer, and with it, farmers should get a jump on tax planning. Northland Community and Technical College Farm Business Management Advisor Betsy Jensen says the high interest rates could throw a curveball if you're caught unaware. Something that's unique this year is our interest rates that we're paying on our line of credit. Um, you know, that's, it's up at least 4% from where we were at the beginning of the year. So if you have to borrow money to make your prepays, you should probably do a little bit of math on that. Um, just find out what the true cost is. You know, if you have to borrow money for an extra six months for a prepayment, let's say normally it's due May 1st and you're going to make that payment on December 1st, 
what is the true cost of that money if you do need to borrow it? We are in a time of unique interest rates. We're not used to dealing with higher interest rates. And I think farmers need to change their mentality a little bit about interest rates. Jansen says farmers should take into stock their income and expense statements with the extra government payments distributed this year. Yeah, so those government payments, uh, quite a few of them were unexpected. Um, we were not anticipating the size of the ERP payments or some of those livestock payments. So farmers are definitely going to want to take a look at their income and expenses. We traded cash flows back in January. We thought we had a good idea of how the year was going to go, and things really changed significantly throughout the year. Prices remained high. Yields, some guys had great yields, other guys didn't. There is definitely a need for tax planning this year because this is it's a very atypical year. I know every year is unique, but wow, 2022 has certainly thrown a wrench into many plans, and so tax planning is probably more essential this year than any other year. The grain market has been quietly chopping sideways. Agmarket.net market analyst Jacob Burks says traders are taking a wait-and-see position with the midterm elections. I think today's election will have uh, an impact in the macro side of things. I mean, you almost kind of got to look at these uh, grain markets right now in two different segments. You get uh, you know, the, the traditional supply-demand. Uh, we have some very strong uh, support uh, in this market from the feed and ethanol side of things. Uh, with 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 the exports being the the wild card right now, the the you know look at where does that uh, does that pick up? If not, we might even have to cut exports more. Election results are another factor. And then you have the election side of things in your macroeconomics of uh, you know whatever type of uh, control the House and Senate goes to, uh, it's going to have policy changes, and that could fear the the market at at, at times. Uh, but you kind of have the, the then you have the, the, beyond the, pol- the pol- politics in the United States, then you have your Ukraine and uh, global economics that that falls into place there. NDSU hosting their State of the Account Economy webinar today. Center for the Study of Public Choice and Private Enterprise Director Jeremy Jackson says U.S.'s gross domestic product is almost back on track after the pandemic. We're actually, you know not that far away from where we might have been in terms of real GDP as a nation had we not experienced the pandemic. We're not quite back onto the same path, but we're not that far off. But what's really troubling, there is this downward trend that we experienced in the first two quarters of 22. Um, We experienced a decrease in GDP for both of those quarters. The good news is that the the latest numbers from the Federal Reserve Bank Um, indicated a third quarter increase in real GDP, so a return to to actual economic growth. And Jackson says the economy is growing even with inflation. You know, at at least we did experience some economic growth in the most recent quarter. And keep in mind, this is real. And what what that means, real is in real gross domestic product, we've adjusted this for inflation. So we're experiencing some positive economic growth despite the fact that we've had inflation, you know, in in the range of 8% lately. So that that's 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 some good news for us. According to the USDA, the number of grain barges being unloaded in New Orleans during September and October dropped significantly. Typically 30 to 40 barges can move down the river together, and the new restriction says no more than 25 after river closures and restrictions on barge companies reduced the bar tow. The tonnage movement has been even weaker. 
Since September, tonnage going through locks was down more than 40% below recent years. Don't forget, you can find out more about Red River Farm Network, radio affiliates, listen to this broadcast, podcast, and more on your phone. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Avian influenza is still very present in North Dakota. The newest confirmed case of HPAI was November 2nd in Botano County, North Dakota Department of Agriculture. State veterinarian Ethan Andrus says the flare-up of cases this fall is still prevalent. As we were going through the summer, the events and number of cases uh, slowed down. Unfortunately, they continued on through the United States, and so they never really completely disappeared. And as we moved into fall, we started to see a flare-up in cases uh, across the United States and are having kind of a second wave And uh, as these young birds become adults. These birds are exposing some of our backyard birds predominantly as they interact with wild birds in the yard, predominantly waterfowl. But uh, across the country, we're continuing to see occasional cases of commercial properties getting affected. Andrus says the decision to open poultry swaps and sales earlier this fall haven't caused an uptick in cases. Some local producers that sell birds off of their backyard properties, and they were, um, when we would have these cases, it would prevent them from being able to have commingling events uh, at various locations. And it was decided by the board that it would be, we would narrow down the impact by just including uh, the ban on commingling events in the specific county that it occurred and adjoining counties. And so I think it's allowed for a balance so that we've been, a, um, people have been able to market their birds, especially the ones they've raised all summer at some of these events. Checking markets before we leave you this noon hour. December wheat in Minneapolis is down seven and a half cents, nine fifty-two and three quarters. March down six. Chicago December wheat down fifteen and a quarter at eight thirty and a half. Kansas City is down nine and a quarter at nine forty-eight and a half. December corn down seven cents, six sixty-eight and three quarters. March is down six and three quarters at six seventy-four and three quarters. January soybeans are down a penny and a quarter, fourteen forty-nine. March soybeans down two and a half at fourteen fifty-five and a half. January canola in Winnipeg down twelve dollars eighty cents a metric ton, eight eighty-three seventy Canadian. December live cattle up seven cents at one fifty-three twelve. February is down twenty-two cents. November feeder cattle down 15 cents at 178.07. January down 22 cents. December lean hogs down $1.42 at 85.62. February hogs are down 67 cents. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.